just I'm going to tell you up front what I'm trying to convey to you all today. And it's my prayer that you'll hold me accountable, that as I unpack this over the next 10 or so minutes, that I, I keep coming back to that sentence of truth. And the sentence of truth is this, through grateful generosity, through grateful generosity, we become agents of transformation. Agents of transformation, that's our prayer for these high school seniors that they are going to change the world for the better and that they're going to do that through a, a, a gratitude that, that makes itself manifest in generous ways, generosity. Now, some of you are saying, isn't the financial campaign already done? Is this going to be a give money to the church kind of a sermon? Is this a stewardship sermon? And as I reflect on that, I say, you know, shouldn't every sermon be a stewardship sermon? This God that gives us so many gifts, this God that blesses us in so many ways. God has given us talents. Shouldn't we each and every week hear that God wants us to use those talents for the glory of the kingdom of God? Shouldn't we each and every week stand in awe of the gift of grace that brings with it this promise of everlasting life? We're born into the earth, but we're also born into eternity. What a precious gift. Yes, every sermon should in some way or another be a stewardship sermon. But Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, and this church in Corinth is a church with abundance. They had abundance, and they excelled in all kinds of things, but they really had the opportunity to make a real difference. Now, everyone in the Corinth church, they weren't really Jewish beforehand. They were what we call Gentile, kind of like you and I. And the main church, the mother church, the first church, the true church in Jerusalem, they didn't have that kind of abundance. No, they were poor. And whatever money they did have, they in turn gave it to other people. They tried to make sure that there were no have-nots. And we all know the difference between haves and have-nots. And sometimes we get so wound up with trying to be in the haves that we completely ignore the have-nots. You see, Paul was hoping that there would be a healing between the Jewish Christians and, and the Gentile Christians, and that, that through this offering that they had already made a pledge to give, but yet had not given it, that there would be healing, that we would simply see one another as brother and sister, no matter what the color of our skin is, no matter what our native language was. You're my brother in Christ. You are my sister in Christ. As you heard her read, this was no sermon by a pastor saying, honor your pledge. No, Paul knows that true giving, the generous, the gratitude and generous giving is what makes people an agent of change. And so he's basically saying, give out of your love of God and a genuine love and concern for one another. You see, ultimately, all giving is simply giving back. All giving is simply giving back. And Paul knows that authentic giving, like love, cannot be done in obedience to a command. They excelled in every other thing except for their giving. But Paul is trying to let them know that giving is a natural response of love. I think of all the ways in which my wife and I give to one another. And it's not because I tell her she has to. It's not because she tells me I have to. The ways in which we give to another is a genuine outpouring of the love that we share for one another. And so Paul is reminding them that they have been provided for in mighty, mighty ways. 
that last sentence there, you know, it kind of sticks out, but Paul is reminding them of what happened when the Israelites left slavery in Egypt and went out into the wilderness where they were seemingly starving, and then God provided enough. God provided manna. It rained from heaven, and every morning when they woke up, everything that they needed was right there. But what happened? People are people, And so some people tried to hoard. Some people had tried to have more so that they could feel superior. And those that took more ended up finding it rotted, maggots, an immense stench. John Calvin said, such an equality that nobody starves and nobody hoards abundance at another's expense. And so in the the book of Exodus, we see this. The people of Israel went to work and started gathering, some more, some less. But when they measured out what they had gathered, those who gathered more had no extra, and those who gathered less weren't short. Each person gathered as much as was needed. And so if you told somebody that you support uh, the local church or you support uh, a, a a local group like we're raising money for and goods for. Why do you support a certain nonprofit? How would you answer that? Why do you give? Do you give to try and have a measure of control or power over someone? Why do you give? And so I asked our Thursday small group, we get together, our Wednesday small group, and I, I asked them, why do you give? Why do you give? Not just to our church, but to all the things that you support. Why do you give? And they came up with three answers. And I wonder which of these answers would resonate most with you. The first answer was, well, you know, we, if we're honest reflection, we really have more than what we need. We have more than what we need, and I know that giving should be a fair balance between our own abundance and the real needs of others. Why do we turn blind eye to starvation? Why do we turn a blind eye to homelessness when we have so much food, so much shelter? A second answer in why to give is because they want to pay it forward. want to make the world a better place. Yes, I want to be an agent of transformation through my, my generous uh, gifts born out of gratitude. I want to make a difference. Being generous is what it means to be in Christ. We wear the name Christian. Being generous is to be like Christ. And we know that giving is both a work of grace and an act of Christian fellowship. An act of Christian fellowship. But I think most people came to the point that it it was their gratitude. They're filled with gratitude. One said, we give of our substance, of ourselves, because we have been given to And we know this to be true. Larger gifts given by wealthier members of congregations are not more excellent than smaller gifts given by those of more modest means. For excellence in Christian giving is measured not in dollars, but by the desire to give, which stems ultimately from gratitude to God. And I'm not just talking finances there is a hospice up in Washington County that I have uh, done a lot of work and I've, I've lost a lot of dear friends and, and members of congregations up there. And, and God bless those hospice workers. I know some of you have had to entrust your loved one into hospice care. And up there at Kathy's Hospice, they do such a great job that, that the families are so filled with gratitude 
that the final days of mom's life or grandpa's life were, were met with such dignity, such love, such care. And people want, because of the gratitude, because of that care in those difficult times, they want to help to make sure that that kind of care can be extended to another and another and another. And so, yes, Kathy's Hospice gets all kinds of, of financial gifts, but what is overwhelming to me, what warms my heart, is how many people want to give their time to give their time out of gratitude for the time that someone else gave, for that love, for that gentle walking one another home. I love that phrase. We're here to walk one another home. And so yes, we give out of gratitude. One of the members of that that class said something and I, I wrote it down. He said, before COVID, most of my giving was actually the gift of time. During the pandemic, all I could give was my money, but I gave. I gave. And so, when are you most grateful to give? Are you most grateful when you see something for the very first time and you know that your dollar can make a difference? Are you most grateful to give when you know for a fact that your gift is really going to make a difference? Going to be an agent of transformation? Do you have the most joy in giving when you really believe deeply in what that organization, that nonprofit, or that local church is doing? I just stand in awe of this community of faith and the kinds of gifts that are given, time, talent, treasure. It's amazing that our mission giving did not suffer at all all during this pandemic, a time where we could not gather together. All of you who are a part of this community of faith, all of you who are at home watching on the live stream camera, you continued to give sacrificially, not out of guilt or not because somebody told you to, but out of gratitude for the way in which this church has ministered to you. And I know that if you have continued to to support mission and ministry here, that you are the kind of person that is also using your gifts, your God-given gifts, to help to support those other causes that have a hold of your heart. Eugene Peterson says this about our money. Peterson says, our money is an extension of ourselves. If the money we give isn't delightfully given, it is because we aren't delightful givers. The only way we're going to give delightfully is to give out of love. Any other motive leaves one joyless. In the long run, Joyless giving does little good for Christ's kingdom and nothing for us. You know, some people really do give gifts because they're seeking the praise of their peers. But a truly cheerful giver, filled with gratitude, will never lord it over anyone else. As Paul writes to this church in Corinth in the first letter, if I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. We need to be generous without any kind of uh, condescension. Now, I'm not here just to try and make you give more money to this church. That's not what this is about. That would be a great side effect, but that's not what this is about. This is about realizing that we can, through our generosity, through our time, through our talent, through our treasure, we can make this world a better place. 
We can make this world a better place. And I, I, I need you to hear this. No gift in any real sense is a gift unless the giver gives a bit, a bit of themselves with it. That's why personal giving is always the highest kind. And that is the kind of giving which Jesus Christ gives us as the supreme example. I'll never forget when Hurricane Katrina came crashing onto the shore. A group of men from our church had just been down there really just a month prior. And we just put out a call. I put a basket on the altar at that church. Whenever I wanted to have a second offering, I would just put a basket there on, on the table, and people knew there was going to be a call for something. And we have this wonderful agency, the United Methodist Committee on Relief, that are most often the first ones to arrive on the scene and most often the last one to leave. And you know that every dollar that is donated to UMCOR, we call it because we acronize everything, uh, UMCOR, every dollar goes because local churches like you and I, we pay for it. And that church's budget was super small. We were still just a, a, a baby church. We were seeking to grow. I said, any dollar put in there, I promise you, every penny of every dollar is going to go right to aid for Hurricane Katrina relief. $15,000. That was a huge gift for that little blue-collar congregation. They gave out of love. They gave out of generosity. But I think they really gave out of gratitude. Now, I want to end with a story. If you're still looking at your watch, according to my watch, I still have two minutes. I'll try and do this in a minute and a half. Dave Moser tells a story of a man that he knew that was divorced. And his son was living with his ex-wife. And he was famous for giving lavish gifts to this son. Brand new bicycles, trips to, to Disney World, gaming systems that were top-notch but what he never did was pay any child support. He liked to give the big gifts, but did nothing to really feed, house, or clothe that child. The ex-wife finally took him to a court. You see, he refused to give it because he was so mad at her. But he didn't realize what he was doing to his son, ultimately. And the judge took a look at him, and this is what the judge said, very severely chastised this man. He said that his self-gratifying gifts to the boy did not feed or care for him in an important and fundamental way. And maybe that's the point that Paul is trying to make. Yes, special appeals are great, but there was a real need and friends, Christian stewards recognize that special appeal offerings in emergency situations never, ever replace the steady week-in, week-out charity. And so friends, it is through our grateful generosity that we do become agents of transformation. And so to you high school, you're not even high school seniors anymore, That's, that ship has sailed. You are now out in the world. Be agents of change. Be grateful for everything that you have, every opportunity you have, and become an agent of change. To that I say amen, because the definition of amen means may it be so. Amen.